Hey, this is Scott. Thanks for checking out the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church. Hope it's encouraging for you and helps you take your next steps in your faith journey. Enjoy. Very good. Well, if I haven't had the privilege of meeting you, my name's Scott. I'm the lead pastor here. And hopefully, did you guys have a good week? Hopefully you got at least maybe a day off where you could relax a little bit, uh, watch the parade, the football, and then slip into like this turkey coma, right? Uh, we know, though, that Thanksgiving is not just about the food, right? The, the title of it clues us into something, and that, that there's something significant about this holiday, and it's a time when we want to have gratitude, Thanksgiving in our heart, and I think that's for me, um, that's why it's such a significant holiday for me personally. It just seems like it has such purity and such worth um, and, and just such a significant thing. Now, last week we started talking about this topic about thanks, thankfulness and gratitude and, and why we should do that. Now, here's the thing. We said that, you know what, there's, I don't think there's much that I'm gonna teach you in the next couple weeks as we talk about this that may be like really new for you. But many times we need to be reminded more than we're taught. So it, it, this one is gonna be one of those things that just seems obvious to us But what we want to do is we want to take a look at our lives and ask the question, is this really true about me? Am I the kind of person that when other people describe me, they would say, this is a person who is always, like the glass is half full, they're always grateful, they always have this this spirit of joy and peace and contentment inside. Am I the kind of person that someone would want to spend an eight-hour car ride with because you're just generally positive about life and thankful for the things that you have? Now, what we know to be true sometimes is not always in alignment with the way that we really are, so we want to take a, a dive into this, and over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at this topic of gratitude, contentment, and of thankfulness. And today, because of this holiday, I want to talk about this word right here, and the word is ingratitude, ingratitude, ingratitude. Now, very few things sting in a relationship like ingratitude. Very few things sting like that. This feeling of being unappreciated. And the reason that it stings is because it's actually the exact opposite of what we would expect. And it's the opposite of what maybe we think we deserve. So, you know, you, you do something for someone, you sacrifice for them, you, you, you do something kind for them, you raise them up, you put a roof over their head, you marry them, you might hire them, you know, you buy something nice for them that they don't even deserve. And so you would expect, and rightly so, that maybe there would be something coming back your way, that you actually deserve something. And so when When that doesn't happen, it actually can sting a little bit in our relationships. Ingratitude can be those things that are said, those things that aren't said. It can be those behaviors or those lack of behaviors that are exhibited by people. And the reality is is that we've been on both sides of this equation at one point or another. And the thing is, it, it stings. Now, when it comes to ingratitude, here's the thing. Like the recipient of that is always aware. They're always aware. If you're in that kind of relationship, it's not a, it's not a mystery to you when someone's ungrateful. But the interesting thing is that the ungrateful person is almost never aware that it's happening. This is a mystery. Like you're getting along with someone, you're just going through life, and then all of a sudden they like slam the brakes on and they're like, I don't feel like you really appreciate me. Why don't you ever thank me for I don't feel like you're really grateful for me. Now, let me ask you this. 
How many of you have ever been 13 in your life before? Right? So you, you, probably, you probably have had someone experience that at some point in your life if you were ever 13. Now here's the strange thing about ingratitude or someone maybe like accusing you of being ungrateful for them in your life. If someone were to say that to you, they'd say, man, I don't think you're grateful for me. You'd say, oh my goodness, no, are you kidding me? Like, I'm so grateful for you. I, I feel that a, a ton. Man, I have this deep feeling of gratitude. But here's the problem. We haven't expressed those feelings yet. They're inside words that haven't become outside words. And so it's this big relational disconnect because that person is feeling unappreciated. And you're like, I'm appreciating them. It's just something that's happening in secret. It's on the inside. Or, or maybe, you know, maybe you're on the other side of that and you're receiving. But in any event, it's this relational disconnection that occurs. So to take a look at this a little bit deeper, we're gonna look at the life of Jesus. And there's a story that we're gonna look at. And it's, 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 it's really, uh, really, really important, not just study, but even as we think about this area of, of gratitude, it's not just important in this week as we think about gratitude, but it's really important for all time because for any of us that are in an, in an important relationship, here's what's true, is that gratitude and ingratitude are relationally determinative. They are relationally determinative. That's not a word we use very often. In other words, this, they determine how much you're willing to entrust yourself to someone else or how much they're willing to entrust themselves to you. Gratitude and ingratitude, they determine how much I'm gonna entrust myself to you or how much you're gonna entrust yourself to me. And because there's such a, a big disconnect, we can be going along our merry way and, and there's, this, there's this big disconnect and you're not even aware of it. So that's why it's this huge deal. Now as we, as we open this story, as we're gonna take a look at this, even if, even if you're not like a, a, a Jesus follower, you're just checking out, you don't even know that you believe he's the son of God, I would encourage you that even if you don't think it's true to step in and read one of these gospels. There's four accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Even if you don't think it's true, even if you don't believe it or wanna follow it yet, just take a look at it. Here's what Luke tells us, and that's where we're gonna be studying this weekend. Luke was a historian, someone who cared a lot about the sequence of events and making sure that there was a studious accounting of, of events that took place. And so what, what Luke did was as people were following Jesus and he finished up his ministry and now there's this group of people that had been exposed to the teachings of Christ, had seen these miracles that he had done, and they were deeply impacted by it. It changed the course of their life and they created these communities in, in towns called churches, what we call churches now. They were the ecclesia, the gathering. And so they came together and they would just tell each other like, man, do you remember how Jesus would go from town to town and he would just say this. He would tell people, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That was the man they would talk about it. But as they started to get older, Luke said, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm, I'm gonna gather all these eyewitness accounts and write down everything Jesus said. And so he, he went out and he did that. And he wrote it down. So for those of us that may not have met Jesus yet, Luke says, it's so important what Jesus did that I want you to know about it. He takes careful attention so that we can understand what Jesus actually 
what he did and what he communicated. Now, in this story that we're going to look at, it does such a beautiful job of highlighting this tension between gratitude and ingratitude. And I would encourage you to open your Bibles this, week, this weekend to Luke chapter 17. If you don't have a Bible, we've got a stack of them at the black table at the back of the room. It's our gift to you. Open your Bibles to Luke 17. I know it's going to be on the screen, but it's a good thing to have your Bible open, especially in church, right? Okay, Luke 17. We're going to be in Luke 17, verse 11. And this is, this is what it says. It says, while he was on the way to Jerusalem, so Jesus, he traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And for just a moment, times, I want you to put your imagination here. In the north, you have Galilee. In the south, you have Jerusalem. And right in between them was this region called Samaria, right in between them. Now, the Jews had this really sour relationship with the Samaritans for lots of reasons. There's a lot going on here. The Jews saw Samaritans as like substandard people. These were, these were folks who kind of had a knockoff Jewish religion. They were folks who used to have some Jewish blood in them, and because they're a collective society, it was important that they kind of stayed within their tribe, but these were people that said, I don't care about that, I'm gonna go, and they would uh, marry these other nation states, and so they became kind of like half-blood, and they were just looked down on by the Jews. These were people that wouldn't have hung out. They wouldn't have been friends on Facebook. They wouldn't have been best buds. In fact, Many times what they would do to get from Galilee down to Jerusalem is the people would say, I don't, I don't want to be near those Samaritans. So they would, they would go like the long way around to stay away from them. But here's what Jesus did. He, he kind of went down the border of Samaria in order to get to Jerusalem. And it says this, as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. See, now <laughs> leprosy has been cured, right? In fact, uh, just for fun, uh, in the last 20 years, over 16 million people have been cured of, of leprosy. And, and usually what we think of now as leprosy was not the same thing that they would have experienced as leprosy. Back then, leprosy was identified as, um, like, like we've actually labeled leprosy well after the New Testament was ever written, right? So for them, uh, leprosy was any, any kind of skin rash, boils that someone would have, it would be even like impentego. They would lump all of that down uh, together and someone that had that would be seen as unclean. And so they would need to remove themselves from the community that they were a part of and they would need to show the priest, uh, this, this town official, the priest would show them the infection and the priest would say, hey, you know, you do or you do not need to go and be quarantined. <laughs> Uniquely in this time right now, we kind of understand what quarantine means, right? Some of us have had to go through that already in the last year and a half. It's this time where you say like, I'm unclean. You, you need to kind of stay away from me because I don't want you to catch what I had. And they didn't have understanding of all the different diseases, so they just lumped them all together and they threw them in these places where they would they could only be around other people that were unclean as well, these leper colonies, as we call them now. Now, for them, they would have to leave their mother, their father, their families. They would have to leave their businesses that maybe they spent their whole life trying to build. They would leave that, and for many of them, for most of them, it was a long-term death sentence all by themselves outside of their community away from their family that they would never be able to see again. So if you had this dreaded disease, it was a big, big deal. And it meant 
a long, painful, alone kind of death. On top of that, you would be someone that other people would look at you and they would say, there's a reason why you have this sickness in your life. You must have done something to make God angry. So not only are you physically unclean, you are spiritually looked down upon. You are morally cast out for the rest of your life. So here were these 10 men that had gathered together in this kind of community, live in this kind of like a little tent city perhaps. And these were pretty much the only people they could be with. And so what they would have to do when they saw someone coming is they would ring a bell and they would say, stay away, unclean, unclean. And they see Jesus walking at a distance and so they yell to him at a distance. And they said they, in verse, uh, verse 13, and they stood at a distance, they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. They couldn't get close, they knew, they knew better, so they stood at a distance and they said, Jesus, have pity on us. Now normally, normally when Jesus would interact with people, what would normally happen is he would just come alongside them, he would put his arm around them, he would touch them somehow, heal them, so this is a, a bit of a different kind of occurrence. Jesus, instead, he yells back at them, and he's like, hey guys, from a distance. When he saw them, this is what he says, he goes, go show yourself to the priests. It's time for a feast, what? No, 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 go show yourself to the priest. And then Jesus walks along his way to the nearest village. Now there's, there's a lot going on here. Uh, some of it we might know about, some of it we may know about. So this person in the Old Testament would have been an outcast and in order for them to reintegrate with culture and society, they would have to go back to the official of the town, the priest, they would have to show themselves to the priest, the priest would check them over and say, hey, you don't have that skin disease anymore, you're clean, you can come back into society or, or not. And we don't know, we don't know how far this priest was, we don't know how far away they were from any town, it doesn't really tell us, but the law says, if you were gonna be healed from the disease, you had to be shown to the priest. So the problem was, all 10 of these guys had leprosy, all 10 of them. And we don't know where the priest is. Could have been two, three days away if it was up in Jerusalem. So Jesus was like, hey guys, just start walking. Start heading to Jerusalem. Now they hadn't been allowed in there for years. Go show yourself to the priest, he says. Imagine, imagine that you're the priest and 10 guys walk up. They all, had, they all had leprosy. They were all cast out. And all of a sudden, all of them show up. Like That would make a big impression if they were healed in that moment. How on earth did they get healed? We yelled at this guy. He yelled back. He just said, go to the priest. And so, boom, here we are. It must have happened at some point in time. So there's, there's a lot going on in this, in this story. We don't know everything that happened, but here's what we know. We know that these 10 men actually made a significant statement about what they believed about Jesus because they started walking. They had a lot of confidence in what Christ said. So they said, look, I'm gonna make this journey towards Jerusalem, and they won't let me in. I know that. So at some point in time between here when Jesus yells at me and when I show up there with the priest, something's going to happen to me. So what Jesus asked them to do was actually an extraordinary act of faith. 
So Jesus goes to the village. They holler out to Jesus. Jesus hollers back. So they ask themselves, so, so what are we going to do? My parents are in Jerusalem. I haven't been there in a while. So what do we have to lose? I mean, we have leprosy. Life can't get much worse. This was Jesus. Let's take him at his word. I, so let's start making their way there. We don't know if it was like ours. We think maybe it was further away because of what happens a little later. And this is what it says. And it says, as they went, they were cleansed. We don't know how long the time had passed. Six hours, a couple days may have happened. Maybe they're spending, on, they're, they're spending the night along the road and they wake up and they go, hey, oh my gosh, Levi, look at this. We're cleansed right now. Like, look at this. This is a huge deal. And so they take off, they start booking it because the sooner they get to Jerusalem, the sooner they get their lives back to normal, the sooner they can go back to their family or their business or their pets or whatever it is they wanted to get back to. But first we gotta get a clean bill of health from, uh, health from the priest. And it says this, but one of them, one of them turns around. And we don't know if it was an hour Six hours a day, we don't know. One of them, when he, when he realizes what has happened, he turns around and he comes back to Jesus. It says this, praising God in a loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. So there's this conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans, and Luke, for whatever reason, said hey, it was important that people know that this was a Samaritan. It was one of these half-blooded, outcast kind of people. This is what that man did. What he did, as we kind of think about this principle in our lives, is that this man went back to this person that enabled his life to move forward. He got his life back, but he stopped to thank the person that enabled him to move on with his life. Now, Every single one of us, no matter how smart you are, no matter how skilled you are, no matter how accomplished you are, no matter how disciplined you are, no matter how much hard work you've put in, and truthfully, it takes a lot of hard work to be successful in life, but all of us, no matter who you are, we can all look back in the rearview mirror of our lives, and we can agree that there was someone that helped us move forward in our life at some point in time. Someone who gave us that second chance, Someone who chose to give us that promotion. Someone who helped push you forward. People that gave you forward motion helped you proceed in life. All of us have that kind of person. And this guy was going to go back to that person who helped him move forward in life. And he stopped to thank him. And then Jesus does this. He asks this question that's right at the intersection of gratitude and ingratitude in this story. And I wonder if he maybe had a grin on his face as he asked this question. He says, we're not all 10 cleansed? Like, did I not have enough power to heal them? Did they, did they not get healed as well? Didn't I get it right? Was it just one person? So then he asks this question, this huge question, and he asks us, he says, where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Where are they? There's something missing. There's something incomplete. There's something that hasn't come full circle. There's something open-ended, and it's unfinished. Do you know the first time you experienced this tension was probably when you were quite younger. Imagine you're with your 
you're, you're with your like grandma or your cousins or your like your, your, your aunts or your uncles and you're like at the mall, right? And you're going to see Santa Claus. And so as you're going to see Santa Claus and you're in line and there's this little elf there and they come up and they hand you a piece of candy and you just like start unwrapping it and you just shove it in your mouth and all of a sudden your grandma, grandpa, your parents look at you and say, what do you say? Right, what do you say? And so you're thinking, I, I, don't, I don't know, what did, what, did I, what did I forget to say, right? There's this sense of, of panic. And then, and them. Before you even unwrap it, you're supposed to say something. And it's something that every adult knows is that there's something incomplete. There's something unfinished. There's something that needs to be done. And they say, what do you say? And you're like, I don't know. Like, I wish they'd have given me the red starburst instead because the red and the pink are way better than the orange and the yellow, right? That's just the way it is, right? And you're supposed to say what? You're supposed to say, thank you, <laughs> Right? Every adult knows this. Every single adult knows that in that moment, if you don't express gratitude, there's something wrong in your life. Something is missing. And we know it's a big deal with our kids. But the thing is, as an adult, as adults, we often miss this. When we begin to think about the dynamics in our lives, we really do appreciate the people that help us get further faster, the people that have given us forward momentum in our lives. And we can begin to miss this, but there's still something unfinished. There's something incomplete. We, we freak out when our kids don't do it, but as adults, oftentimes we miss it. This is how Jesus finishes his question. He says, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said, rise and go, your faith has made you well. So this faith that you've exhibited, go show yourself to the priest. Your faith has made you well. Now, if you would read this story, you probably would think, how ungrateful must those other nine men been? Right? What kind of ingratitude did they have? The thing is, if you were to go track them down, I bet you would find some folks that were actually pretty stoked about life at that point in time, wouldn't you? Right? They'd be like, are you kidding me? Like, I got my life handed back to me. I thought I was going to die alone in a tent city, never seeing my kids again. I get to move on with my life. I get a second chance at this. Someone just handed me my life back. They would say, we are very grateful. We are full of gratitude. And here's the problem, and, and we often miss it, just like those other nine. Right? They felt it, but they didn't express it. And they were just going to move on with their lives. Is this a big deal? Well, Jesus thought it was, right? Were 10 of them healed? Something is wrong. Something is missing. And that brings us to a really simple idea, but it's currently uh, dynamically impacting every single one of your relationships, whether positive or negative. And it's not a future thing, it's a current thing. Something that every single relationship is being uh, impacted, either the positive or the negative, and it's this. That unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. It's not a neutral thing. It's not like a draw kind of situation. But another way of saying it is this. This gratitude that you feel, what you feel in your heart that's inside, is also felt by the other person, but it's felt in the opposite when you're not expressing it, they feel it as ingratitude. 
The gratitude that you feel inside, that you would say, yes, I agree, I feel very thankful for them. When you don't stop to express it, they experience it as ingratitude. And it goes even deeper, though. It goes even deeper because unexpressed gratitude can often be experienced as rejection. Because what it communicates is, I deserved that. I deserve that. It communicates that we deserve the good that we just got. So your mom does something nice for you, they clean up your room for you, and you end up thinking, well, I deserve that because that's what moms are supposed to do. Right? Or, or you're or like, why would I thank him? I pay him, right? Why would I express gratitude for him? This is, this is what I do. I pay them. They do the work for me. You're supposed to support the family. It's your job to do that. Why would I thank you for doing something that you're already supposed to do? And so what happens without ever meaning to do it is unexpressed gratitude begins to feel like rejection. And some of you have experienced this growing up. Some of you have lived in those environments or had that person in your family. And so you feel the sting of that. You've experienced some of that rejection. Now I'm gonna say something that I think is really helpful. So just listen up for a moment if you've zoned out for a second. Right? This is the way that God made our hearts, that our hearts gravitate towards acceptance but are repelled by rejection. Our hearts are gravitated towards acceptance but they're repelled by rejection. I'm this way and you're this way. It's just the way that we're made. Our hearts gravitate towards acceptance and we're repelled by rejection. And ingratitude is a subtle form of rejection. Which means this, which means that you can ingratitude someone right out of your home. You can ingratitude them right out of your life. You can ingratitude your kid right out of your home. You can ingratitude your spouse right out of your life. You can ingratitude that star employee that you don't want to lose right out of your company. Because gratitude and ingratitude are relationally determinative. That's why we have to choose to do something about it. It's not enough to feel it, we have to express it. And this is especially true, this is especially true in those critical relationships in our lives, with those people that are closest to us. And it's true whether or not you have like an introverted or an extroverted personality, it has nothing to do with that. You've gotta find a way, whether it's not the kind of thing you do, you've gotta regularly find a way to express gratitude because ingratitude creates rejection. And there's, there's something else about this. There's one step deeper, and this might be a little dicey, but I'm willing to offend you a little bit if it makes you just think about it for a moment, makes you consider it. Unexpressed gratitude can actually indicate an inflated view of self. Unexpressed gratitude can indicate an inflated view of, of self. It's like in your heart you're saying, I deserve this. I deserve what they did for me. You're supposed to do this. After all that I've done for you, I deserve that. Unexpressed gratitude might indicate an inflated view of self. In other words, listen, if it's hard for you to say, thank you. If it's hard for you to reach out and say, Thank you, I'm grateful for how you moved forward. You have to ask yourself the question, why? Why is it hard for me 
to express that. Because you and I, are, you're smart enough to know, you're smart enough to know that you didn't get as far as you've gotten in your life based off of your own goodness. That there are people in your life that you look back in your rearview mirror and they helped push you along. They helped propel you. They facilitated your progress. And there's this sense in which you owe a debt of gratitude towards them. If you found those nine men on the road to the Jerusalem, would they feel grateful? Would they, would they be overjoyed that they're not going to die? Absolutely. But it's not enough to feel it. You've got to express it. And right now, for every one of us, because it's relationally determinative, it's playing out for us in our relationships. And the question is, have you developed the habit of this playing out in your life, of you having this pattern of being grateful to other people in your life that have helped you move forward. Because unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. So to, so to ask the question maybe the way that Jesus asked it, let me ask it this way. Are you one of the nine, or are you the one? Are you the nine, or are you the one? It's not enough to feel it. You've got to express it. So I'm going to ask just a couple of questions that maybe you can go a step deeper. And in the, in our, the, the church app, um, there's always a, a series of questions at the end where you can dig in and go deeper. If you want to have conversations around your dining room table or in your life group or even for your own devotions, they're there for you to go a step further. But I want to ask a few questions. And right now, if I was sitting in your seat, I would probably be thinking this. You know what? I know he's right. I know he's right. I have a ton of people I can express gratitude towards, but if I turn around and I say that to them tonight or tomorrow, they'll know it's because of that sermon, and I don't want anyone telling me what to do, right? So I'm just gonna wait a couple weeks. Now listen, you know what that's called? That's called pride, right? That's called pride, because none of us, listen, none of us want anyone telling us what to do, especially some preacher dude like me, especially if you're a guy, you don't want anyone telling you what to do. But let me tell this from the flip side. If the person that you need to express gratitude is here and is, is hearing this and is listening to this, it's gonna sting even more. It's gonna sting more. They're gonna feel even more unappreciated. So it's okay to say, you know what, as Scott was saying that, I just realized that you have been such a significant impact on my life, and I am grateful, Mom. <laughs> I am grateful for how you help I am grateful that you came through and when our kids were sick, you showed up when we couldn't care for them. You moved us forward. Just get over that now, right? Because here's the deal. They know you. They know it's not your idea. They know it'll never be your idea, so just get over that now and ask them, right? Get that out of the way. Here are a few questions. Here are a few questions. Who do you take for granted? Who do you take for granted? Who's that person where you would say, of course they fill in the blank? Of course, they're supposed to do that. He said, I do. She said, till death do we part. It's my dad. Of course, he's supposed to do that. Who's that person that facilitates forward momentum and you kind of take them for granted? Number two, who do you owe a debt of gratitude to? Who do you owe a debt of gratitude to? And question number three, who do you need to close the loop with? Who do you need to close the loop with? They've done their part. They've, they've helped you along. They stepped in at your point of need. 
and now you need to do your part. Something is incomplete. For some people, it's someone that's in your past. It might be someone that's not even around anymore. We might not even know where they are, but when you think about it, if it, if it hadn't been for them, if they hadn't put up with me, if they hadn't given me that second chance, if they hadn't agreed to train me, I would never be where I am today. Have you ever stopped to thank them for facilitating your success? You don't want to be one of the nine. You want to be the one. Now, I'm not the boss of you. I'm not in charge of you, but I just want to put a little challenge because we had a challenge last week that everyone would for 12 days post something they're grateful for on social media, and it's been really cool to see people's uh, things that they're grateful for just come floating past that. It's been a neat thing. And so I want to put a new challenge in front of you. And that is that sometime this week, you would stop and you would write those people that you would answer those questions for, that you would stop and you would write them some sort of note. And you're like, well, can't I just text them? No. (laughs) Take the time, like get a letter with a stamp and put it in an envelope and say, thank you. Just this week, in the last two weeks, I stopped and I, I thanked 35 to 40 people that helped move this church forward. Because I know I, I couldn't do what I do without those people actively participating in ministry. Stop to say thank you to them. And as I've prepared for this, I've realized that there are people in my life that I take for granted. I have three kids that are on the front line of ministry that give up their weekends and their weeknights to be a part of what happens here. So I just said, thank you for how you serve. Thank you for how you lead and elevate. Thank you for how you push buttons. Thank you for how you move our family and our church body forward. I'm grateful for that. So take that time because I know, I know that every one of you are grateful for those people, but it's not enough to feel it. You have to express it. Be the one and not the nine. Let me pray for you and then we're gonna respond in worship. God, thanks for these folks. Grateful they're here. Grateful, Lord, that we get to partner together in life. God, you've blessed so many of us, and we can all look back and see that coach, that first boss who gave us the time of day. We can think to our spouses who forgive us time and time again. God, and you've divinely orchestrated those who give of themselves and who have sacrificed for our sake. It's a beautiful picture, a beautiful story to see that play out in this narrative. And it provokes us and it reminds us, Lord, how often we are quick to move on and not cultivate the attitude of gratitude that considers those who help us move ahead in life. So Lord, may we be ever mindful of that. We're grateful for you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. We welcome you into this time as we close out together in worship just to sing of your faithfulness and your goodness. Praise you and pray this in Christ's name.